On this episode of the Trade Busters podcast, we're going to be looking at how the Theta engine performed during Q1 of 2022. Before we go on, the usual disclaimer, I am not a financial advisor, so everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as investment advice. Now, for those have, that have been in the Discord or following my trades or you know trading Trinity and the Theta engine yourself, of course, you're you know painfully aware of how Q1 went. So uh, this episode is more for people who may be kind of following or studying Theta Engine on the sidelines or maybe only recently started and missed the drawdown. Or maybe you're just kind of curious to, uh, maybe you, you went through it, but you're kind of curious to just kind of hear my thoughts on my experience with it. Uh, so obviously last year, 2021 was not terribly interesting because it was like a 95% win rate or something. So it's pretty much just like a vertical climb. Um, so we have obviously had the market sell-off um, and ultimately uh, mostly recovered uh, during you know, January through late March. And I think at the peak, or maybe at the trough, I should say, SPY was down something like 12.36% I see on here. Um, although, ironically, the day that we hit most of our stops, it was down, I think, another couple percent. And I say ironic because that day that we got stopped is actually it closed higher, right? So that was the bottom, um, and so one look at you know the sequence of events, the kind of drawdown to expect relative to the sizing of the strategy. So uh, just to make sure you can follow along, I am going to be referring to some pages uh, and tabs on the Theta Engine Google Sheet itself which of course you can find the links to all the strategy pages at my trading page, which is www.thetradebusters.com. If you go there and on the left-hand side, you'll see a link for the Theta Engine uh, Trinity System slash Theta Engine page, which you click on that link and it's gonna bring you to the strategy page for the Theta Engine. So um, let's start by looking at the 2022 trade log and You'll see here there is some trades for the bomb shelter logged, and I was running bomb shelter and a little bit of vibranium shield, but we're not going to focus on that in this episode because the theta engine is kind of the core of the strategy, and those other elements are kind of just uh, tangential. And in this particular event, they didn't alter the or impact the bottom line a whole lot. So uh, remember, these trade logs are in reverse chronological order, so oldest trades. Uh, at the bottom and newest trades at the top. So if we scroll down um, and you'll notice that column Q, which is the PL multiple, this is color coded. So you, you'll very quickly see which trades are losers. Um, so if it's red and you can see the PL multiple is negative, those are the losses. If you scroll down, you see a huge block of them right around, uh, you know, towards the bottom here. And if you look at the closing data, um, all of these were on the 24th, uh, other than like two of them maybe. So you can see the year started with a few profit takes. Um, profit takes were hit on you know, January 3rd, and then not until the 12th, and then the 20th. I think you can see the multiple 0.2 because I think I was pruning and managing the book size, so that was a partial winner. But uh, if you look, there's a block of losers, the two of them which were stops on the 21st, so we had a leg down there, and we had a big leg down in midday or at the open, so there are about 15 trades stopped out on the January 24th. And uh, if you look at the trade date, which is the entry date for those that were stopped, you know, they range from mid-December, 
I think the earliest one I can see here just eyeballing this thing is, you know, December 22nd, something like that. And they've ranged from that all the way through January 10th, I think. So that block of trades during that time, you know, there was a, a gap open on the 24th, which kicked out a lot of trades at the open. But uh, and a few that were kicked out later. Right? I think we, we gapped down and then we had a leg down, which stopped out more and then we bounced, right? <laughs> which is obviously painful, but that's how it goes. So I want you to notice one thing first. Uh, the PL multiple, I'm trading SPY here. So this may differ depending on which product you choose. I, I've heard MES is you know a little less liquid. So the execution may not be as good. But first I want to point out that most of these are right around 2.0. Now, there's some rounding here, so you know, it might be like 2.01, 2.02 from fees and a little bit of slippage, but they're very close to the 2x stop. So that's what I want to point out that the execution is pretty good on stops, right? These are market stops, I'm not using limit stops. There were a few that go above, right? You can see from row 62. Um, today's April 6, 2022, so actually, maybe I shouldn't say row 62 because that might change at some point. Uh, if you look at the trade that was opened. You know, around January 12th, you'll see a 2.4, 2.2, 2.5, 2.6, and another 2.4 and 2.1. So those were the stops that hit at the open that were past the 2x stop loss. So you can see that this does happen, but it wasn't terrible, right? It, it was, you know, max with 2.6, and that was like four of the 17 stops. So that's the first thing I want to point out. Um, and then after that, you know, we had a large string of winners, um, but that not until you know, February 1st, right, February 9th. And, you know, if you just look at a chart of SPY in that time frame, it, it basically, yes, this strategy is very correlated, so that makes sense. But if you look at a chart, essentially we had like a, a first bounce, right, kind of a leg up, and that's where all the profit takes happened. And you'll see that from February 9th, right, there was a, a local peak there. You know, we were grinding down, up and down, up until around March 8th-ish. And so you can see that in the, um, the trade log, you know, after February 9th, the next profit that we had to stop actually at one stop on February 24th. So if we go to the chart and we can see that the 24th, probably another local bottom, well, maybe not. There was, okay, a big drop and then a bounce and then a drop. So no, Q1 was very volatile, right? So after that, we did not have any more profit takes until March 16th. It took two months to hit a profit take. And you look at the DITs on some of these trades, right? It was like 20 days, 48 days, 13 days. But then there's a bunch that's like 57, 58, 56. So that shows you that if you think about it, that kind of plays out correctly because during that grind down, everything was just getting more and more red, right? There was more drawdown. And then ultimately we bottomed. Volatility came in. We had a huge amount of profit takes, right? There was like six a day, seven a day, eight a day. There was like 20, 25 of them within the period of like one one or two weeks, right? And again, that coincides, if you look at the charts, with the bounce that the market did, okay? And again, today's April 6, 2022. I currently have about um, 13, position, 13 positions, which is still under average book size, right? I've been adding positions since about March 18th, and I haven't had a profit take. The last profit take was March 29th. So now this is a week later, and we've been adding positions. I think I have positions 
at 40%, some hit 50%. Of course, we had a, you know, a one, one plus percent down yesterday. Today looks to be opening red. Um, so I, I look to expect, um, you know, at least another week or two before we hit more profit takes. So let's look at kind of the drawdown potential here. So real quick, I want to point out something very important. If you go to the trade log, again, we're at the 2022 trade log tab. You're going to see that the PNL, the raw PNL F3 is very negative, right? Because I was trading Theta Engine in a much larger, uh, my larger fund, the larger account. And I moved it over to the smaller account right around a couple of days after um, the book wipe. Well, this was a partial book wipe, right? This was 17 positions stopped out. So, you know, it was like a 75% book wipe. So... Uh, this essentially I started trading smaller now for my purposes this doesn't matter because you know on, on a performance base you know it's it's all relative to the size of the fund and what I want you to look at two things I did to make uh, so make it so easy to track the progress of the strategy itself irrespective of my sizing is we look at the theoretical premium capture rate which is I5 now this looks at just the win rate the loss rate and um, more importantly, a normalized wind size, right? If you look at J3, the normalized wind size is about 0.59, right? Because we remember, we take a 60% profit target. So the average of those should be around 0.6. The average loss size, a little over two to account for the slippage. And these are normalized relative to credit received, okay? So by taking those, you can get a normalized theoretical premium capture rate. So you can see negative 13%. We're still negative right now, but that's much better than the negative 60%, which is an F5, you know, 59.1. Again, it's April 6th. This may change if I log more trades, but that's very different because the, the raw dollar amount is not normalized. So for purposes of this and understanding how the strategy runs in isolation without weird size changes, Look at the theoretical capture rate. And one more thing I've done is if you scroll over to column AH, um, Alpha Hotel AH, this tracks the progress cumulative PNL in terms of credit multiples. Again, relative to credits you received, right? And just to kind of make it clear, you can see, let's go to, um, if you go to the very first profit take of the year, which is the, the trade that was closed on January 3rd, you'll see that after one trade, I had a positive 0.6 multiple, right? Because I got 60% profit. After the second trade is 1.2, after the third is 1.8, so on and so forth. And you can see that we bottomed at around, after all the, all the stops, 33.3 multiples, okay? So what does this mean? This means you would have taken a realized drawdown equal to 33.3 of your credit target. So again, what does that mean? Let's look at the risk calculator, okay? And just to kind of set the baseline, I've set the net lick to a million dollars, which is irrelevant. What's important is I've set it to, I'm going to set it to 10%, 10% return target, five entries a week. I'm turning off bomb shelter because we're looking at just data engine. I'm using an assumed PCR of 27% and an average DIT of 26.8. So what that's going to do is you're going to see that if you set those settings, it's going to print out a credit target per entry of $1,400, $1,425. But based on that um, average DIT, you'll see that the average book size in E2 is 19.1. Let's just call it 19. So at 19 entries, right, you're going to have 27.2 thousand of credit on the books, which relative to the million dollars is 2.73%, which means level one 
book wipe risk, which is double that, is 5.45%. Now remember, I took about 17 stops on that initial wipe. But with a um, with the slippage, you know, a couple of the trades going above 2x, let's just say 19, okay? It's a little less than that, but let's say I had 19 positions stopped out. That means that the realized drawdown would have been 5.45% on a return target of 10. So we basically had a realized drawdown of half, a little more than half your return target. So remember, the drawdown and risk are all proportional to your trade size, right? So if you are targeting 5%, you would have had a drawdown of about 2.5, right? If you had a return target of 10%, you would have had a drawdown of 5, you know, 5.5. If you had a return target of 20%, you would have had a drawdown of a little over 10, right? 10 point, you know, 11%, give or take. So that's still less than the market, okay? And again, obviously, that's because you're, you're targeting a certain size. If you target 30%, you have a 50% drawdown. But what's important to point out is, you know, I've said this before, the, the sizing of the trade relative to your return target, which means the credit target, which means the credit on the books, which means the loss of a wipe, which means your drawdown risk. So this basically, this comes into practice, right? So if you were trying to size the strategy before, like, okay, what's my risk tolerance? Okay, I think at 10% return target, I can, you know, I'm okay taking a level one risk of 5.45%. Well, it basically happened, right? So looking, again, this is like a real-world example of how these tools should kind of help you gauge how big you want to trade this thing. And if you had been trading all year last year, last year was phenomenal. You were running way above expectancy, way above the expected PCR. This wipe would have been about three months, three and a half months of progress, which sucks, but given the nature of this trade, and how losers tend to clump together, that's kind of to be expected, okay? So you might be still feeling pretty good because remember I told you, when you're running above expectancy, you should expect to kind of budget some of those profits to be stopped out later because if the long-term expectancy in PCR is 27% and you ran a year at 40%, 50%, you need to expect to give some of that back, right? And this is that case that happened. But you're lucky if you ran this all year last year. If you started in January and started with the wipe, that's the kind of thing that crushes conviction and you know makes people quit, especially if you're new and you don't have the conviction and confidence in something like this. But that's what I'm hoping to kind of give you that real life, you know, just talk through it, give you the tools, and show you that this is just part of the process, right? If you were lucky enough to start after the wipe, you had a huge run, right? Again, if you look at the log, there's a bunch of winners. And um, hopefully you don't kind of get too caught up in the success and start sizing up and then maybe there's going to be another wipe later, right? So you want to always keep in mind and keep in perspective, you know, how this sizing works. And going back to the multiple thing, so we had a 33.3 um, most max drawdown, 33.3 multiples, which means because we take... 60% profit to get 33.3 multiples of profit back. So we take 33.3 and divide that by 0.6, 55.5. So you need just above 55 trades that win in order to essentially break even, okay? 
So at 55.5, because I'm putting on five trades a week for daily, that's 11.1 weeks, which divided by four is about 2.7 months, okay? I need about 2.7 months of new positions to win, to break even. But because that last position, where each, each trade has about a 26-day cycle, right? So add another month. So 3.7, 3.5, 3.7 months from the 24th of January, which is that wipe, to break even. And today is, again, April 6th. At this point in time, I have closed enough profits takes to get down to nine multiples. I'm only negative nine multiples. Actually, let's go to the 2022 uh, graph tab, okay? This visually plots out, right? Those bars are the individual P&Ls of each trade, positive or negative. And you can obviously see where the negative ones are. And the red line graphs the cumulative P&L, right? So you can see that we bottom out negative 33 multiples. We're at negative nine. Um, again, depending on when you listen to this, this may be different. But at nine multiples, I need to close about 15 more trades, okay? Right now, I have 13 on the books. So if I add two more, you know, by Friday, April 8th, and they all close. So possibly by early May, if we have a run up and I'll hit profit take, I will have broken even. Now, if there's a leg down, we start grinding down. If I don't get stopped, but they're going in the red and it stretches out, right? Because you saw that during the Feb-March time, the longest trade I had on was around... Um, 54 days, I guess. So this may stretch all the way until mid-May, late May or June before I break even. Again, that's just part of the process. I'm okay with that. Help them get stopped, but there is possibility for more drawdown. All right. But I hope that kind of sitting here and listening to me walk through, you know, step-by-step step what happened this quarter and you know, I don't want to say this is the worst case scenario because there's been worse. If you look at longitudinal studies, there's been years with two wipes or back-to-back -back or a bigger wipe where you had like a book size of like 30 or 40 and they got wiped out, right? I, you know, this actually was pretty fortunate. Um, something to just quick thing. So the market was down, you know, at the bottom, right? It's not caught in that close-to-close -close price of SPY because it bounced that day, but it was like 15% down or something. VIX had gone from like 20 to like, um, actually, let me take a look real quick. I, I think it almost hit 40, maybe not. Um, intraday, it was 36 on March 7th and January 24th, it was 30. Intraday, it probably hit like 35, I don't know. But one more thing to notice. So during that first wipe, VIX had gone to, you know, 32, market had gone down, we got wiped. But during the grind down of February, March, VIX had gone even higher. I see a close of 36. Maybe it had gone higher intraday, right? And the market itself, let me see if it had a lower bottom. So January 24th, you know, it closed on around 4,400. I'm looking at SPX. I'm used to it. And it closed lower. It went, SPX went as low as 41 something in March, right? What I'm trying to say is in the Feb March, Market went lower than in January. VIX went higher than in January. And yet, no book wipe. I had one stop. And this is showing you that everything is repriced, right? Volatility had gone up. So the positions we put on during 
and after the wipe were obviously safer, right? Volatility was higher. We were further from the money. Um, everything was better positioned. And I don't think during that second grind down, the highest I saw was like 1.3 on a loss multiple, 1.5 maybe on some of them. A lot of the positions were in the red, but not that, not that much. And again, this shows that everything gets repressed. So if you get scared, um, which makes sense after like a wipe, that's actually the best time to start over, right? Obviously, your book is swept, so you have no positions, but that's a good time, right? You can see that huge run afterwards. Now, I'm not saying this is always going to happen. There's, you know, the second leg's down, but those positions are should be better positioned and even more resilient um, against a stop. So just something to keep in mind, uh, and hopefully those that uh, traded through this um, what I say, you know, what I went over just now kind of aligns and confirms your experience and gives you some more conviction that, you know, you can get through this. For those that were on the sidelines and weren't sure, like, wanna, hey, how, how did Theta Engine do? Because, you know, this guy just sells puts. Like, what happened in the crash, right? What, not that it was like a real crash. It was more of just like a, a correction. But like, hey, what happened? Well, this is what happened. It's You're going to take losses, okay? That's just the, the nature of, especially with the with the a put selling strategy. But I wanted to show that with the, all the mechanics, with the sizing, with the tools, you can have sort of an expectation of what to expect in, in a, you know, under times of stress. So anyways, I uh, hope that helped and uh, we will leave it there for today. As always, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also visit my trading page, Obviously, we've just been through there, www.thetradebusters.com, where you'll find all the strategy mechanics, trade logs, as well as various essays that I've written on other podcasts I recommend. Finally, you can follow me on Twitter at The Trade Buster. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.